and welcome to Doing the Opposite Business Disruptors, the podcast where you get to meet incredible leaders who have swum against the tide, thrown out the rule book, and changed the way their sector does business. I'm Jeff Dewing, and I'm the founder and CEO of CloudFM, a business where we thrive on taking risk so our clients don't have to. Today, you're going to meet an incredible lady. Sue Fennessy is the founder of We Are Eight, a new social platform. Now, I've been following Sue for a while now because I'm intrigued by the fact that she ticks both the boxes on this podcast. One is she's done the opposite, and two is she's a serious disruptor. Sue has taken on the entire social media world because she was simply fed up with the way in which people were acting and reacting in that environment and that industry. She saw the hate, she saw the negativity, she saw the fake news, she saw the inappropriate influencing, especially when you look at teenagers and suicides and all the various negative stuff that we see, not just on social media, but in the media. So Sue embarks on a journey to change all that with absolute passion and gusto. And the results are phenomenal. We Are Eight is a new social platform designed to share happiness, care, love, consideration, communityism. It's a platform that is also built to control and reimagine the way in which companies advertise to their audience. We'll talk more about that a bit later on. But Sue has absolutely inspired me, as with most of my other guests, where they have taken on the institutions. They have taken on those that thought could not be taken on. She has absolutely bust down those barriers and created a movement we are eight are certainly one of those organizations that are going to drive change and they're going to drive change through the realization that when you create a movement you can truly fix the world hi welcome sue so, so glad you found the time to speak to me today. Your smile was infectious. I'm, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Gorgeous, gorgeous to be with you. Thank you for having me on. You're more than welcome. So, Sue, I want to sort of get under the skin first. What is it that gets you out of bed every day, punching the air? What is it that gets you out? <laughs> oh, God, are you sure you want to get under the skin of Sue? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> so, really, a complete obsession, Jeff, with what's possible and what I see as possible and how close we are to solving big problems together. And honestly, it's the people. It's working with amazing people every day. It's being inspired, getting closer to building a world of social that is full of love and the antithesis of everything that has controlled humanity over the last 15 years. That excites me. And, and seeing the voices of Gen Z 
who are everyone who wants to change the world. That's inspiring. Because it is Gen Zs and Gen Ys that have actually shown us what we've all been getting wrong, right? That's the, that's the bottom line. And I think that's what inspires me as well. Right. They're waking us up. Yeah. They're yeah, waking absolutely. us up. But we also have to provide the, the technology for them to really elevate and thrive and be their best. So I think there's wisdom. Look, at 54, I wouldn't change it for the world where no. I am now. No. Would you? Oh, no. Absolutely not. I mean, I'd love to be 54, but... Um, Mother. but <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that in a while, Jeff, let me tell you. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> the way I would probably describe you, I've never met you. you, you see the summit, you don't see the mountain because mm-hmm. you see the challenge that faces us, which most people would be fearful of, materially fearful of, yet you still go, no, 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 the summit, it's the summit. How would you explain What's happened in your life that's made you who you are today? Why have you taken on these gargantuous challenges? Do you know, it's funny even, by the way, thank you for that beautiful description. And it's funny, I don't even think I see the summit. I actually feel like I just see the sunshine. By the way, half the stuff I've built, I don't even know how you know how to build it. I just think, like all of us, we're just vessels and we're almost fated to just do certain things. I see the darkness and I feel the darkness and then I see light without sounding too spiritual about it. And I think sunshine, where we are in the world today, and I lived in New York for 12 years and seeing you know, the economic crisis grow when there's 50 million people that can't get enough food. There's 14 million people in the UK that can't get enough food. The water crisis around the world, there's nearly 800 million people that can't get access to fresh water. When I see the, you know, the climate crisis, economic crisis, mental health crisis, I look at all of these things and I just see the darkness. And then I see the fact that Facebook made $120 billion in 2020 and they only delivered an average of 0.4% engagement rate on those ads. So I look at that and I see the point of vulnerability inside the darkness by which sunshine and a new reimagined economic model that serves the people and the planet. So I think that seeing sort of light and dark. I remember as it, when I was 18, in my final year, I studied Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Coincidentally, actually, which is all about dark and light, I think that thematic, if I saw the mountain, and by the way, there's no summit almost for me. You never know what it quite feels like. If I saw the mountain and the size of the mountain, I don't think I could do it. But when it's a problem that's affecting other people, then I just imagine what it could look like when the sun shines in. And that hasn't changed from really when I was a little girl. The same things used to distress me. You know, I'd save that sloth. I'd be sending letters to Herr Wagenarkel from the Basel Zoo trying to save the sloth whose cage was too small. Or, and I don't mean to sound like some bloody, you know, I think it's just certain things distress me. And particularly when I see they don't need to be like that. 
Of course, yeah. There's an alternative way. There's another way, yeah. Maybe there isn't, but maybe there is. There and always that's, is, yeah. There always, there always is, is, right? Yeah. I realise I potentially am sounding like a dickhead saying that I am sunshine in some way, but it's well, no, no. I give you a lot of credit for that because although you're saying that, you're not you're not sounding like a dickhead at all. Because the analogy I used was that you know whether it's sunshine or anything else, we're talking about people's lives, right? We're talking about the way mm. people live their lives and and the lives that people are subjected to. And when I say you see the summit, what I'm saying is that. The mountain is not going to stop you trying to solve the problem. That's my point. Whereas a lot of people walk away because there's a mountain. And I think that was the analogy I was, I was trying to break. And coming back to some of your stats, we have 8 billion people on the planet. 4 billion are beyond recognisable poverty. These people are in a terrible, terrible, terrible state. So when you realise that you've got human beings that are suffering that every day, then we can't just sit back and say it's somebody else's problem, can we? Right. The more I look at governments, I mean, governments don't have enough money because they haven't charged the tech companies enough tax because they operate on a global level and there is no global government. And so there isn't enough money coming back to support teachers, nurses, all of these sort of really important civic frameworks and everyone's suffering as a result. Look, we forget that these tech companies are only 14, 15, 16 years old. They've become the biggest manifestation of their original intention, right? So mm. Facebook was built to judge girls and get dates for guys mm. in a dorm, and it's become a massive manifestation of judgment. They mm. didn't set out to create social media built to empower, unite, and serve people. And then they took a TV ad shoved it into a digital social format, bombarded everyone until people felt annoyed and, you know, it doesn't even work. It's this whole idea of the systems are broken. The systems are archaic for the global world that we all live in. So let me just challenge you on something there, right? Because you said the government haven't got enough money. If I gave the government enough money, do you think anything would be any different? Because I don't <laughs> think money's the problem. Yeah, I think it is economic and then divisive. So, I mean, look, I think one of the things is problems are multifaceted. So when we look at the climate crisis, it's also coupled with the crisis of social technologies, coupled with the economic crisis, coupled with the mental health crisis, and it's all systemic. The disparity of economics puts pressure on everyone and we see it when people are under pressure financially. I don't know if you ever have been. I certainly have been. And when you're under pressure financially, you become the worst version of yourself. And I don't think that's any different with government. They don't have the money. They're under massive pressure. So they're becoming, if you don't have an aligned set of values that can anchor you, that you can live by and that anchor you, you get pulled and twisted. And I think that's just what's happened with government. I think it happens with humans. Does that make sense? It does. You've hit the nail on the head because it all comes down to, and I'm going to talk about a few bits of this in a moment, but it comes down to values, right? And values is not just a buzzword yeah. that you write on the walls of your office. Values is about your, your whole heart and value. The problem I've got with the political arena, yeah, I, I say this thing, right? You have to travel a long way to find a bad person. You don't have to travel very far to find a good person in a bad environment. 
And when I look at the political structure and framework, and they, 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 there yeah. is zero integrity, right? And that's the problem. I agree with you. 99% of people are good. There's just no collective voice because the algorithms divide us. And that's a big part of what we want to create, this united voice to go into governments all around the world. It all comes back down to we have socioeconomical challenges that we're aware of. We also have a challenge with our planet and climate and God knows what. And the greatest scientists in the world may well believe they know the answers, but they'll never fix the problem. The only people who are going to fix the problem is the people. So Absolutely. how do we get people to solve the problems? And the way you get people to solve the problems, in my view, is no different to business and people working with you and for you and so on. You have to create a movement. And when you create a movement, then you can make massive change very, very quickly, which is exactly what we are eight have done. And I'm going to tap on that in a second because I'm in awe of what you've achieved. But when you come down to the heart of it, what is it that people actually want? What do we think the most important thing that people want? They want to feel loved. They want to matter and they want to belong. Um, and they want to do something that's bigger than themselves. They want to contribute. And if you can nourish that with every human being, there is not a single problem in the world you can't solve. Oh, I lo- you've just given me goosebumps all over, Jeff, because we've got a, it's really interesting, exactly what you're talking about. We've built this feature where you can connect your address book, but you basically send your friends and they send you celebrations when you make positive impact. And we've just touched the tip of the iceberg on the storytelling, right? But when we're celebrated, celebrating each other, we suddenly realize, oh my God, does that actually matter? And then we're getting better at telling the storytelling around that. So I was in Australia recently and they were talking about the bushfires and the floods. And I mean, it's the climate crisis is very real there. And how much money was raised during the bushfire appeals over, you know, two months three months. And then we realized that with 20 million people on We Are Eight spending just two minutes a day watching ads in one month, $378 million would go back to citizens, which they could pay for to charity, 7 million to climate, 36 million to climate solutions. And that $400 million basically is more money than they raised over that $400 million in one month and one month. So imagine this, if you're then watching the news and it says, follow this news on We Are Eight and donate 10 cents from this to the Syrian refugee crisis or whatever. Imagine 50 million people doing that, 100 million people doing that. But more than that, that's just the economic impact of that. Imagine then a hundred million people saying, tap on this right now and your name will be added to a petition to save the bees or whatever it is, right? It's this tiny action from a lot of people and then the celebration and our friends all celebrating us that basically this sort of awakening to, oh, I'm okay. Maybe I'm enough. Maybe my voice is worth something. We all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We just don't know how to do it. And unfortunately, the current algorithms and technologies 
social technologies are controlling what we see, what we feel. They're isolating. I mean, the amount of kids that are scrolling TikTok in their bedrooms and suicidal. I know, scary, yeah. It is real and horrific. And this is the other thing as well. I always say that when you're trying to address or solve a problem, there, as you said earlier, it's multifaceted, right? There's a number yeah. of things that are contributing to this problem. The key is to find the one thing you do that solves all those problems, right? Not to try and address each problem individually because you'll just go mm -hmm. around and around in a circle and down a plug hole. I mean, in business, we say it's about culture. Solve culture and all these things about the great resignation, all that stuff all evaporates, right? Because you solve the problem with culture. And one example I want to pick up on that you just said was in our business, we used to do something called the Bob Awards, which was Be Our Best Awards. Oh, I love that. And loads of people would, in the business would nominate one of their colleagues for something they'd done that's gone the extra mile. Nice. That would go into a, a committee who would then decide which the best two were, and the best two would get a voucher or get recognised. Love. And we did that for about three months, and I said, this is majorly flawed. This is completely wrong. And they said, why is that? I said, because we have had 80 nominations. That's 50% of our staff has nominated one of their colleagues for doing something great. I love that. But no that. one ever hears about the other 78 that never got announced. So we changed it. Wow. And we, had a thing, we have now a thing called Spin the Wheel. So every month we have what's called a Stop the Floor where we update the entire business on what's going on in our business from financials to new clients to new starters, blah, 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 blah. But within that one hour slot, we spin the wheel three times. And at the very beginning, we play a five minute video that shows all the people that have been nominated by who and why. Right. So everyone gets to see oh, this video. Oh, I love we start. that. I love then that. Then what happens is up comes the wheel. And on the wheel is everybody's name. No one cares if they win the voucher. Yeah. They care about seeing their name on the wheel. Goosebumps. Right? It's been transformational on how it's affected engagement and God knows what. Now, that's about people having a voice, right? That's everyone having a voice. And it's funny, Shepard Ferry, who did the Obama Hope image, is one of our investors, and he did a image, We Are a Own Your Voice, because you're right, ultimately it comes down to your voice being valued, having aligned values, and existing in a world that's committed to love and no judgment, <laughs> right? No judgment, no judgment, yeah. No judgment. So just are you really going to accept me for my whole most crazy self? Yep, we totally are and we're going to fucking love it. Absolutely, because my job in my business is evolved and my job is now Chief Inspiration Officer. That's what I do. Love, love, um, I can and see it. For me, there's a thing I say to everybody. Whoever you come into contact with, if they drain your energy, you distance yourself. Yeah, totally. You only look for people that energise you so that you can energise them. Then you can change the world. Then you can make yeah. a difference, right? But do not let people take your energy away. No one's entitled to take your energy away and you control what you do. And I think one of the things that was really interesting to me on your journey, there's a lot written about We Are 8. By the way, I downloaded it five, six weeks ago when I first learned about you. But it doesn't work in Portugal. No, it doesn't. Forgive me. <laughs> I'm going to switch it on in Portugal just for you. 
I'm going to switch well, it on just for you. I flew all the way back to UK just so I, I could register. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. Oh, my goodness. You're so right. You're so right. But the bit, the bit I loved about the two parts of your story, one is that you are obviously an entrepreneur. Two is that you are doing the opposite. You're taking on the social media the giants and, and institution. And obviously, three, you are a disruptor. We've all got something to say about social media. And the beauty of We Are Eight is having that philosophy that says it's about love, it's about kindness, it's about respect, it's about integrity, it's about humility. All these things that are being driven, which is absolutely utopia to everybody that cares to actually listen to the words. But then importantly, you've then done something else. You've challenged the media industry and the way in which the media does business. And you stopped us being the product. And what you've done is transformed it. I love this thing that I, I say to people in my business or anyone I come in contact with, do you want to just twiddle knobs or do you want to blow it up, right? Because twiddling knobs will get you nowhere, right? It's just going to pass the time of day. If you want to make change, then make change, right? But come out of your comfort zone and, and make a difference. And the movement that you're creating on We Are Eight that actually adds value to people's lives and inspires people You've linked up with a lot of charities within your organization, obviously, because that's part of what you do. That's part of your model. And you've also focused a lot on climate change, which is also great, because I've also become a passionate climate change individual. The thing that's going to save the planet is the oceans. Totally. The oceans, 80% still undiscovered. Exactly. Now, the, the ocean, let me just give you one example, right? The oceans absorb 70% of carbon against land, which is 30, right? Well, we're all playing with frigging trees that take 30 years to grow. The ocean can fix our climate problem tomorrow. I'm going to give you one example. 50% of coral reefs are dead, right? And coral reefs absorb 80% of the carbon on this planet. They're not there because they don't exist. They've been killed. And in the next 25 years, all of the other coral reefs will be dead unless we do something about it. So this guy I've met, who's this incredible guy, he's a Dutch guy, uh, Jerome van der Waal. He's now embarked on a journey where he's now raised investment to whatever level. And he's going to build what's called engineered reefs. So it's sustainable concrete. Oh, it's love it. lovely. And he's got his first reef going in Portugal, in Lisbon, wow. uh, in Cascais. He will put this concrete reef in, which is five kilometers long. And within three months, it will be alive. It will be absolutely alive, right? We need two and a half thousand of these reefs in the sea. And to do that, it's going to cost half a trillion dollars, right? If we put two and a half thousand reefs in the sea tomorrow, we will have zero carbon challenges in three years' time. That's how fast it works. Not 2050, oh not 2035, not 2030. We don't have enough time. We've got six <laughs> years into the damage to the planet is irreversible. Do you know what I love about what you're saying? So OSEF, the big ocean research vessel, are a partner. And I've learned a lot about what we're not doing, right, and what's not discovered. But what you're saying with this project, imagine mobilising then a billion people on We Are Eight, a billion people earning $100 each and paying it forward to build these things and then getting corporations to match, you yep. could get to 500 billion, half yep. a trillion yep. within two years. 
I know. If the Fortune 500 companies in America alone contributed 1% of their annual profit, that's a trillion dollars, right? 1%. So we said, right, forget donations, forget people putting their hands in their pockets. Let's just look at this entirely differently, exactly the same as you did with media, right? Let's just blow it up. How else can this work? So we came up with the idea that said, right, we're going to build an engineered reef, we're going to put it in the sea, and we're going to sell it. I'm a business, you're a business. I can say, right, I want to pay a million dollars for a piece of that reef because I can't afford a whole reef. I want to pay a piece of it. So he sells it to me through blockchain, which is entirely auditable, right? So I buy a piece of this reef on blockchain for a million dollars, and I now own that piece of reef. That now sits on my balance sheet as an asset, right? So I'm actually not donating anything. I've just moved from my profit and lost it to my balance sheet. But because of the technology that goes in with the reef, because there's a lot of technology that's going to monitor the reef's performance, et cetera, et cetera, I can declare every year factually how much carbon I have consumed, how much oxygen I have created, and it's an asset which will only grow in value. So as a result of that, he's got IBM on board, he's got Microsoft on board, he's got Apple. Everybody's gunning to get part of this process because we're not going to save the planet in three years because it's going to take three or four years to get the momentum and the movement but the moment we've got the momentum movement, it will only take three years from that point to solve the climate crisis. I love everything about what you're saying. A transparent blockchain or a transparent infrastructure where you get 500, Fortune 500 combined with 100 million people. So the whole point was this all starts off with commercial because that's how you get the project going. It ends up with individuals contributing and owning a piece of a reef that is theirs, where they can say, look at how much oxygen I've created this year as one person, how much carbon I've absorbed as one person. The reason I was so fascinated and the reason I've just blurted on about this is because of seeing the charities that you're supporting and helping educate people that it's actually the oceans that are the secret to our survival, not the rainforest. Totally. I love it. And and actually, I was looking at some carbon offset projects and we were looking at actually buying a piece of the Amazon and then enabling our citizens to buy it, to use it from their wallet. Because what's really interesting and why I love this oceans project that you're talking about is you can get corporates to commit. It's a big thing for them to commit to unless they see what they're getting out of it. They all spend ad dollars. If we can Basically, by pummeling that through eight, they get an over-delivery on their ad of attention. They empower the people on the way through and it becomes a collaborative effort between corporations and people to save the planet. I really fucking love it, Jack. It's how people and corporates come together. And to what you were saying before, advertising on TV always worked, but people have never been in the economics. We're we're putting people at the centre of the economic equation and whilst the economics are really critical, it's actually how brands and people collaborate in the new world to solve massive things like this. I mean, imagine doing that over a two-year period, spending another two years building them. I don't know if they can be built in two years. Yeah, they can. And basically, all the corporation has to do is redirect 20% of their digital ad dollars through We Are Eight 
empower a billion people on the way through, deliver to these projects and have all your advertising offset and be more efficient and effective anyway. So no one loses anything, right? It's fascinating. There's so many different ways of doing it, but one of the ways we're doing it as a business with all of our clients now, any new client, we say to them in a transparent way like lots of businesses do now, this is what we do for you, this is how much we charge you, and this is how much profit or returns we get. But we're going to charge you an additional 1%. And that additional yeah. 1% is going straight to the reef company for building reefs and saving the planet. And that's not a negotiable, right? If you engage yeah. with us, that's what you have to do. Um, and it starts to create the movement and the momentum. And I guess the other thing as well is, as we know from Gen Zs and Gen Ys, Life is about instant gratification, right? Yeah. But then I ask the question, but is it? I don't think it's about instant gratification. I think it's about instant knowledge of what you've <laughs> achieved. That's what you need. So if someone can do something and see the benefit that's happened, then you've, you've nailed the human spirit. Yeah. Oh, I love that. In fact, the human spirit, I just want to feel alive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you talked about being heard earlier, I mean, who in your life do you think really sees you, really listens to you? I mean, you don't have to answer that question. Well, no, no, no. I think it's a great question because I've been lucky enough to have some great coaching over the last five, ten years, which has really aligned me to this view process. So I'm a little bit sort of got a bit of an advantage over that statement because people that see me are the people that I normally engage with, talk to and inspire because they'll say to me, my God, I saw you. But but if you asked me that question ten years ago, I'd have gone, no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And most most of the population will say, I've got no idea. Yeah. I even wonder whether we're even seeing ourselves anymore. Because, the, I mean, I think, sadly, millennials, Gen Y, it's a whole generation that are now seeing themselves in the mirror of Instagram, which is their fake self anyway. Oh, no, it is, yeah. yeah so we've yeah. got entire generations that don't even really know who they are and any sense of questioning who you are or confrontation is seen as a negative yeah. rather than yeah. a deep dive into the beautiful human that you are. So it's it's a resistance to the tough questions that are, are the only way we discover who we are anyway. I, I once saw a, a beautiful therapist and she and I realized very quickly that things that were annoying me about what she was saying were the very things I needed to sit with and question of myself right yeah you know while everyone is wanting to post photos of themselves living their best fake lives on Instagram and behind the scenes lonely in their bedrooms and not able to pay their rent everyone's yeah. feeling fucked judged yeah. we don't know who the fuck we are anymore no. Jeff no, 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 no. There's a lot of little lessons, isn't there, to be learned. Right, listen, Sue, we're going to wrap up now because I'm conscious of time. I'm going to ask you two questions. If there was only one thing, one thing only, what is the one thing you would say you're most grateful for? My children. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> My three boys <laughs> and the space to live honestly with them and myself. Fantastic. Well, I've got three girls, so there's a perfect match. Oh, right. beautiful. Um, <laughs> okay, final question. Final question. If there was only one thing again, considering the subject matter we've been talking about, what is the one message you would send out right now? You are beautiful and more 
amazing than you imagine or you believe and feel hopeful because we can do it together. Mm. We can do this together. And, you know, even hearing your beautiful Oceans Project, I feel inspired because I know we put an engine together to mobilise and empower and love up people to feel their value to change the Mm. world. Mm. Hearing Mm. about this project has made me feel there's people out the other side that can enable that at scale. And so I, I feel more hopeful. Do you feel hopeful, Jeff? I felt hopeful the moment you you smiled at me when we first connected. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're fabulous. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Jeff. No problem at all, sir. It's been great to meet you and I truly, truly hope that uh, we get to meet sometime in the not-too-distant future. I would love that. I would love that. And I'd love to hear more about your amazing project. And thank you for bringing such great inspiration to people and the world. That was an energetic conversation, if ever I've had one. I thought I was energised, but Sue took it to a whole new level on that conversation. Um, Absolutely pumped. Um, So I'd like to thank Sue Fennessy for today. Um, What an incredible conversation, what an incredible lady. Uh, Really, really, you can see why she's achieving what she's achieving um, on the We Are Eight platform and movement. Uh, And I urge you to to look up We Are Eight. It's an incredible new social platform that is just promoting kindness, love, caring, uh, communities, um, good quality information. And uh, at the same time, it's also changed the media industry where the user gets paid for looking at an advert that they don't need to. And they can only see a maximum of two adverts a day or two minutes of advertising a day. And every time they click that button, millions and millions of pounds get donated to charity. So it's too much to talk about on this outro, but you really do need to have a look at We Are Eight because it is going to blow up social media as we know it. Um, And it's going to create a more um, happy and more well-being focused environment for us all to thrive in. So congratulations to Sue. You're absolutely an inspiration. Um, And the stuff I loved about what she's doing as as a platform is all about being human centric. It's about what do people want and need? Um, how do we inspire people to create a movement to fix all the things that we've been watching going down the drain for the last three or four decades? Whether that be the planet, whether it be the oceans, whether it be the rainforest and all the things that we, we truly do care about. What she's done is not twiddled the knobs. She's put a grenade right in the middle of it um, and she's blown it up and started again. And hats off to her for it. So incredible, incredible conversation, incredible human being. Anyway, please do listen back to earlier episodes in this current season three, where we also have um, round table conversations with uh, a number of specialists talking about climate change, talking about um, workplace, talking about um, how we treat human beings, how we treat our staff. Um, Lots and lots of experts giving controversial views in some cases, so they're a really good listen. Um, as well as some other incredible guests that we've also had on, um, including the Chief Crown Prosecutor in the UK. I'll uh, let you go and find out who that was for yourself. I'm Jeff Dewing, author of the best-selling book, Doing the Opposite, CEO of CloudFM and keynote and masterclass speaker. You can find more about our podcast and our incredible guests 
on my website, jeffdewing.co.uk, as well as access to all previous episodes. I'd like to also thank my team, uh, to Nicola Crawshaw at Cloud FM, uh, my PR team, Thinking Hat, and of course, my incredible production team at What Goes On Media. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon.